Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Betfair's Racing Only Better podcast. You know the drill by now. This is where you get your weekend tips. And we've got a bit of a bonus for you because we're going to rattle through a few ITV races from Doncaster on Friday. Then, of course, we have the St. Ledger and the card around that on Saturday and a couple of races from Chester too. Loads of group action to talk about. Really looking forward to this show. And I'm joined, as always, by Daryl Carter, Dan Barber and Kevin Blake, before we go any further, don't forget a couple of offers for you for the sports book. The usual offer this weekend bet five on horse racing multiples and get a free bet. That's every day of Doncaster. And also, we have a super boost for Friday. Ryan Moore to ride a winner at Doncaster was one to five. And it's now even money. So that's been super boosted for you, but it's for a max bet of £10. T's and C's apply and you must opt in. And please, for the love of God, do it responsibly. Housekeeping, out the way. We're going to fly into this because we've got 10 races, as I've said, to get stuck into. Who wants to do Weather Watch? Anybody interested in that? Raise your hand. Negative <laughs> raises. Great, good start. That's what the Twitter uh, spaces is for. Yeah, that's what Twitter spaces is for. Damn right, Dan. Well done. Nice little plug. Tony Calvin can be found on Twitter Spaces, as always, ahead of the ITV racing. And that's where he'll do ground and conditions for you. Obviously, Doncaster today, we're recording on Thursday. Soft ground currently. They've had loads of rain and loads of showers forecast. So, Daryl, surely we're working in and around soft, maybe good to soft. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the times on Thursday, from what we've seen so far, would suggest that anyway. Um, so yeah. you kind of want to be looking at horses that have handled conditions previously. Uh, I guess that brings us on to the first race. You want me to crack on? Yeah, why don't we? The the Flying Scotsman on Friday is where we're going to start the 150. It's the listed race. And as Daryl has stepped forward, he can crack straight on. Just quick rattle through the top three in the betting. War Rooms is 11-4 to four for the Owen Burroughs Yard. I was actually on site when he won that day at Doncaster, his only race course appearance. Um, Owen, very positive that this horse was, you know, loads more to come, being by Churchill, very much a work in progress. He's taking on local hero for the Hannons at 4-1, to one. Battle Cry in there for Aidan O'Brien at sixes. I'll let you take it away, Daryl. Seems just seemingly chomping at the bit. Yeah, but like the war rooms, for example, like like in these two-year-old races, it's like very rare to find a horse that's already handled these types of conditions, given the especially given the summer that we've had. They've all been racing on rattling quick ground and and war rooms has literally run over course and distance under these conditions last time for an impressive debut performance. I was pretty taken with what he did there. <clears throat> I don't know how well the, the form is not as strong as you would like it to be. But he was in a different stratosphere to, to his rivals, really. Um, you, you can use some collateral form, form lines for him to tie him into some other nice two-year-olds, but he was just in a different league. And for me, I think it's a huge positive that he's uh, that he's done it over quarter distance under these conditions. So I don't think you've got to worry too much about him. And the class that he showed that day, for me, uh, makes him a rightful favourite in there. I think... Um, I was quite keen to take on local hero. I thought they was going to push this one towards the top of the market. Uh, he, he, you could have picked him out from a mile out at, at Kempton when he won uh, on his debut. Impressive five-length winner, but the, the, I had a bet in that race, and it was a very, very weak race. I mean, if you if you compare it to the other races on the card run over the same distance, you'll get a better picture of of, of how well he did as opposed to just a five-length like demolition job. There's other un unexposed horses in here, of course, but War Rooms is the one that, uh, for me, I think could go on to, to much, much better things. And and the Yard did win that Doncaster race, obviously, with uh, 
Um, Al Bashir, who's gone on to, well, disappoint me a few times, but he went on to run in the Champagne Stakes to finish second. So they obviously know they've got a decent one there and he'll do for me to kickstart the day. All right. So keen on the favourite war rooms. Over to you, Kevin Blake. I know it's been a very quiet week for you, but hopefully the back end of the week is going to really perk up here and <laughs> kick us off with a winner. That's very good. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully so. So hopefully so. And I'll start. I have a few big prices to get us going. Well, big enough Go prices. Um, Dancing Gemini for the, for, for the fish dance people. Um, Roger Teal. Um, I think this is an interesting cold. Um, he's by like, like contrasting profile to a fair few of these. A lot, a lot of them are more speedily bred. Um, but this race in the conditions won't be about speed, I don't think. And he, he's a, a relatively late foal by Camelot out of an Australia mare. Um, and you'd have to like the way he's going. Like he's sharp for Camelot, especially like an April foal. Like it'd be unusual for them to be out in June. And this this fellow was out in June, finished second, ran a beautiful race. And um, they took the chance up to listed company next time. And it was a little bit too much too soon. But back in maiden company, in, in a good maiden last time at Newbury, um, I, I thought did it really nicely. Um, you know, still a bit raw and green. Um, but really nice. There was a bit of juice in the ground um, that day. And looking at the way he moves, I don't think even softer ground is going to be a problem. And okay. I just be I just be hoping that um, between them they end up going an even or better pace here. And there's good emphasis on stamina at the trip because that that that'll be his game. And um, yeah, was he ten to one or so, Vanessa? He's um, ninety eight, eight to one. He was ten. Yeah. He doubled that in the market a little bit. Yeah, like I, I think that's pretty reasonable now. And uh, so okay. dancing Gemini will do for me. Okay, great. We love that to kick things off. Obviously, because it's a two-year-old race, we don't go to Dan for that. Um, actually, that's a lie, Dan, because that I'm being unfair and pulling you up. But no, because I'm straight in with the two-year-old race next anyway. Yeah. Okay, you can go straight away here in the Flying Childers, um, the Group Two Fast Five Furlongs, Big Evs, your three-to-one favourite to bounce back from the Nunthorpe disappointment. And following him up in the market is inquisitively for Kevin Philippart Defoy, who's obviously got that form with Big Evs from Ascot, is around four to one next best. Killian in there after that at six to one also has Big Evs form that time from Goodwood. So there's loads of sort of crisscrossing form here with those top three in the market. Obviously, some nice types in behind as well, Dan. We will start with you here. But for me, can Big Evs bounce back to that midsummer form? Are we just allowing him the blip in the Nunthorpe against the older horses? Yeah, I did think he was one of those where we're drawn in, aren't we, by the two-year-old allowance. But if if he's not a top-flight two-year-old, you're sort of a one-teens horse, then they do struggle. So things should be easier for him here in theory. But a horse I've had a bit of a turbulent relationship with who's twice the price is Killian. Um, is a there's a bit of the Goldilocks about him because I didn't think he'd necessarily want bad ground at Goodwood, and he actually motored late on when behind Big Evs in the Molecum. And then I thought, oh well, the way he's finished there, then six should be fine for him. But he just raced too freely. But Ryan's back in the saddle on Friday. It was Ryan who steered him to what I thought was a really devastating performance. The form wasn't strong, granted, but that th- I thought he showed an exceptional an exceptional change of gear to settle that Sandown race as he did. Excuses since. A bit of wheel spin early on, on heavy ground in the Molecum. I don't think we're necessarily going to get that. And he's ideally berthed just in the slipstream probably of um, Big Evs to track him. And this is just a track that's more conducive to 
passing horses late than Goodwood. That's my belief anyway. I think Big Evsy's going to be in the firing line throughout and a big galloping track, and it's just not a, an easy task, and I thought Killian might pick him up. Killian for that man, Carl Burke, who's two-year-old, to be fair, can do pretty little wrong this season, and he knows... He's just had another win, and he's just had the May Hill winner. She looks... Must she be related to Fish herself because she's never seen a horse like bad ground as much as she does. It Darnation. Yeah. Um, Kev, let's come to you next. Uh, so, Dan taking on Big Evs, it's sort of same rules apply. Do you expect him to return to that midsummer form or are you looking elsewhere as you were in the first race, something bigger against the favourite here? Especially in this yeah, game, sh- I suppose. Yeah, shooting a little bit bigger again. Um, Irish Raider, Francis Mainel. Um, Michael O'Callaghan. I think this is an interesting colt. Again, like he's a he's he's a late pole. Um, he's by Blue Point. Um, came from the breeze ups. And I tell you what, if you watch his debut, you'd like him. And it, like there was lots of strong form. He was he was he always. Um, there was a bunch of horses in there with like strong form in the book, and um, they jumped out, made all. And you might look at it and say, "Oh, jumped out, made all." He must have really known his job. He still looked quite raw to me late on. Um, but he was good and strong, and he ultimately won quite well. Um, now the second has just been beaten earlier today. Uh, ran very well, was second at um, at Nace, but like the third and the fourth, like strong form in the book. And I think the market's been a bit disrespectful of him now because, like Michael, when he brings his two year olds over to the UK, like his record wouldn't be bad at all at all. And like this is a big pitch to throw him in here. And he mentioned the Flying Childers immediately after the debut, um, so he didn't put it out of fresh air. And like again, you know, this this fellow will be a double figure price. Yeah, and, currently um, 11s was 12s, now 11 to one. Yeah, I think I think he's quite interesting though. I think he's quite interesting. And look, there was knees in the ground that day at Navin, and I don't think you know a, a bit more juice is going to be a problem. So, um, Francis Mainel will do for me. All right, the once raised Francis Mainel, as I said, 11 to 1. Daryl, are you with the boys with either of their selections, Killian from Dan, uh, or are you going to throw another one into the mix here? No, I'm with, I'm with Killian, with Dan. Um, I, th- I think he's been a little bit disrespected in the market, really, in, in comparison to, to Big Air. So, I mean, on that Goodwood run, like he's finished right up his ass and like been outpaced from the get go. Like, Goodwood's a downhill fast track and you know, he'll get a much better better crack at things here. There is so much pace in this race. Like Big Evs, Flora, Bermuda, Valiant Force, Taco Madeira, uh, Kev's Franny, <laughs> uh, Zulu, Zulu Chiefs <laughs> in here as well. Like there, there is stacks of pace in this race, like ridiculous amounts of pace in this race. And he is going to slipstream Big Evs, I think, uh, and just a bit more of a patient ride here. I think we'll, we'll, we'll see him come good. Um, I think I think they made the mistake last time of going up to six furlongs when really he just wants us real strongly one five and um, he's going to get that today. I think uh, I think we'll see the real Killian today. So and we know he handles conditions, so he'll do for me. All right, two votes for Killian then. Uh, on we go to the three o'clock on the Friday, which is over the two miles, two furlongs. It is the Doncaster Cup. It's the Group Two. It's the feature race of the Friday, and we get to see Coltrane here, the current long distance Cup on Champions Day favourite, solid form all year, and he is top of the market for Ashim Murphy and Andrew Balding. And it's about round what eight, nine, ten of his clash with True Shan, or it feels that way. Second best in the market. Then taking on the much much less exposed Sweet William for the Gosdens Broom in there at 10s the Grand Vizier is the bigger price at 40s um, Daryl 
I'm going to come to you first. Coltrane is seven to five at the top of the market. I want to take him on, I think, here. Are you with or against me? Yeah, uh, this is a fucking nightmare, this race, I think. <laughs> just, well, a nightmare. just a nightmare. No, just a nightmare. Sorry, just a nightmare. Just a nightmare. <laughs> let it out. Let it out. <laughs> you don't want me to let it out. Gee. <laughs> um, this is a nightmare, really, because like, it's surprising Coltrane hasn't won a group one, one really, considering he's one of the best stayers around. But yeah. like, you know, you go back to this race last year and Lismore was half a length behind him. Um, after he came out of York and the year before he ran his one of his lowest RPRs coming on the back of a run at York and yeah I just I, I just don't know I, he's just one of those horses people keep saying he doesn't get the respect he deserves but I just don't think people want to trust him for whatever reason I know I don't want to back him at a short price but look he, he, he's the best horse in the race he settles a penalty is he going to run up to that rating of 117 on soft ground I think his only effort on soft ground he was well beaten so you got to ask yourself that. Trushan, my God, I don't know what's happened to him, really. He, he, like, I mean, he's got conditions here. You'd think Alan King would have him fully wound up for this off the back of 135 days off, considering the way he had spoken about he thinks he might have gone. Um, he said that, I think, after Nottingham, that he thinks he's not got the same horse on his hands. So you'd think he'd be tuned up to the nines on the back of a wind operation, but do you want to trust him? No. Is he going to run to 117? Probably not. He hasn't done the last three times. So Sweet William might not have as much to find as the market thinks he, or, or as the rating suggests he has. But even so, I, I, I don't know if I'd want to back him. I was looking at Broom. I was hoping that they were thinking about changing up the tactics, Ryan changing up the tactics instead of coming from off the pace, perhaps try and dominate this small field. Um, I thought there was a bit of encouragement last time at York. I, I know he was well, well behind Coltrane there, but it was tender handling. I, I, I don't know. I thought he was coming back slowly. He he is going to run to his rating, I think. Um, he doesn't mind a bit of juice in the ground. So in a in a in a terrible race, I thought the second top rated horse, who was ten to a double figure price, I thought he might just be worth taking a chance with, just with the uncertainty about the two at the top of market. Yeah, I think I think that's very fair. I mean, the ground is my angle in with wanting to take Coltrane on. Definitely. For sure. And then you've already outlined the worries in regards to Trushan. I'm with you. I think he's going to be fully wound up for this off this break just to see what's left in the tank. I think they just need to know because if he is gone at the game, he'll be retiring, won't he, pretty shortly at the age of seven. So this is definitely shit or bust territory. Is that the saying? I'm so... Yeah, yeah, I agree, yeah. I'm saying. I just think I'm going to get all my sayings wrong on this show. Um, and then as for Sweet William, um, it's been well discussed on this pod, Dan. I was there at Doncaster when they applied the blinkers for the first time, seemed to have such a good effect. And he's really stepped forward with every run since then. But as Dan has outlined, this will be another pretty big step forward for him. Um, he, The broom angle I can see, are we... What do you think Sweet William can produce here, I guess, is the question. Yeah, and be you on air saying that he's a complete dog and couldn't possibly win another race, didn't you, about Sweet William? But he's, yeah. defied, he's defied that negativity. Ah, he's shut been, up. <laughs> he's been very progressive. Um, I'm in a real pickle. I want to describe it as Daryl did, um, really, because do I want to back Trushan at 7-4? to four? It's a sort of thing, isn't it? I can let I can let a seven to four winner go when it's got the same profile that Trushan has, but then he's back on bad ground. It's definite cup final territory. I know Champions Day has normally been his end of season highlight, but he's going to get bad ground. He's had a wind up. 
He's avoided the hard battles that Coltrane has had in the interim. He's getting three pounds off a horse who, on his best in Coltrane, isn't quite as good as Trushan. But I think I need to get see bigger than seven to four. I think I need to see maybe nine to four before I get involved in this. And I don't know whether that will materialize or not. But yeah, in the words of D. Carter, it's a <clears throat> nightmare. Nicely done. Nicely done. Um, Kevin, how have you unpicked this <clears throat> nightmare of a race? Oh, Kevin's gone. Kevin, he just can't face it. He's just, he just can't. Right, that's how he feels it. Like that, that that's that's what he makes of the Doncaster Cup. He's just enough is enough. I'm done with this. I'm out of here. Car Park Kev has business to get on with. He is back, however. This is because we're in ropey territory here off the back of dare I even say it? We've got this far without saying it. The old racing league um, better of Kevin none- no, I'm, I'm I'm in. I'm back in the same car park I was in last week. Um, up at Dublin Airport, and the internet just completely went on my hotspot for some reason. But we're back. We're back, and we're, we're stable. Back. See me. Uh, my question to you was: Do you find this as tricky a race as the boys do? Basically, um, no, I don't. Um, I I think Coltrane will be fine on the ground. Um, okay. like look, I I'd always I'd always pay more heed to time forms ground assessments than the officials and he has never run on ground softer and good to soft um but like he's acted well on that and i'd be happy enough to take the chance with him like out you know master craftsman out of a montju mare jeez you'd be surprised and i just like sweet william you know might be up to this level but god it's he's got a stone to find true shan looked looked on the way to being gone last time you know they've had a they've given him a wind up i know it's his ground etc but um, whatever about being happy to side with Coltrane, like I, I wouldn't be with Trushan at the price. Like, oh, like the play could be could be just to lay him if you're if you're if you're if you're fine if you're finding it difficult to have confidence in Coltrane. Um, I, I think laying Trushan could be the play in because I I just I didn't really like what I saw last time. And look, Alan King has brought him away. He's got his wind done. Um, as the lads have said, like I'm sure he'll be fired up for this, but. Um, God, when the when the slide starts with these stairs, it's it's hard to stop it. Um, so I I'd be pretty worried about him. Now, I hope he gets back. Love the horse, but um, I'd be worried. So, yeah, Coltrane would would be the one for me, and I I'd expect him to shorten because geez, there surely won't be a queue of people to back Trushan and that sh- sort of price, will there? Well, depends if people like your opinion or the boys' opinions when listening to this show, because we know that great we can... game. It's a great game. We all great have game. one. It's a great game. Uh, let's move the great game on to the last of the races we're looking at on the Friday. It is the three thirty-five at Doncaster. It's the Mallard Handicap uh, over the mile, six and a half furlongs, and. Daryl, I'll throw you this curveball to start. I just didn't really know where to start the unpicking of this. You've got the goat as the five to two favorite currently, but he's going to need to settle better over this trip than he did in the Melrose at York when we last saw him behind Middle Earth that day. But there is a sense with him and his profile that there should be more to come at this trip. But I do think he needs to settle better. Bagdor is next best for James Ferguson at seven to two. Now, real dream in there at seven to two. Another one who's promised plenty at this sort of staying trip, but needs to bounce back from the E ball, wasn't it, when we last saw him? Legendary Day is in there at seven to one. Adrian Keatley's runner, Quantum Leap at Bethel. Um, I just, I don't know. For me, the GOAT is a windy enough favourite. Is that is that a fair comment? 
can we hear can anybody else Sorry. Not? I was, wor that was, I was worried that you meant me then you and I just didn't answer <laughs> Sorry, that was me You're just abandoning was... me when I ask questions am I like what is going on here <laughs> yeah no no I, I can I can see what you're saying because the, the weight for age allowance of 10 funny we couldn't hear what you were saying yeah the ten pounds is like it's quite significant over these staying trips obviously so it, it does and and that coupled with the rain has obviously forced him towards the top of the market um I, i'm kind of with you I, I don't know about the trip i think it's the trip that worries me rather than the sort of sort of the ground um i was hoping to have a really good bet in this race um Ooh. before the rain came on back door who, who just Shaped really nicely at York on his seasonal return over a trip too short. It was reports that he was carrying condition in the, in the parade ring, stepping back up in trip today. Last saw him at Goodwood before that, chasing him trawler man, subsequent e-ball winner. Um, I, I think he's the best handicapped horse in the race, in my, in my opinion. So I'm kind of torn with, do I stick with the best handicapped horse in the race and hope he handles the ground? He's unraced on, on a, on sort of a slower surface. Uh, you'd hope he would handle the ground yeah you would you, you kind of would um so I'll pro i'd probably stick with him the other one i was sort of, sort of torn but what i'll do is i'll probably wait until tomorrow morning and sit and see what the see how much rain falls overnight because if it does get really testing that would worry me for him uh quantum leap was the other one i was looking at for for edward bethel with this 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 will speak uh aztec empire on debut at Savile, was rated 93 he traveled so well last time at nottingham which just given far too much to do traveled really well found himself in a bit of a Bit of a situation running into the back of runners and uh, just didn't just didn't quite see, finish off his races as he had done previously. He had beaten Ravens, Ravens Craig Castle very comfortably at Haydock the time before. Uh, and that form ties in quite nicely to, to suggest that he could have more to come after just a handful of starts off 87. So he would handle the ground much better for me than Bagdor. But I just, I just need to see... You need you need a selection. I get that. I, I'll back. Let's go back door. <laughs> Stick with the best hand again. <laughs> I love back that. <laughs> okay, back door. Then currently seven to two um, for Daryl. Uh, we will come to you next, Dan, for this. Um, the go as Daryl said, getting the weight for age. Only three year old in the race. But um, are you with me that you think he's a relatively tame enough favourite? No, I'm. I'm Ooh. quite. I hate. I hate saying that because I don't like confrontation, but. He's got the advantage of the three-year-old allowance. Um, it's more so what he did in the mud at Goodwood. That's just freak stuff. Won a handicap by 12 lengths on testing ground. Now, I'm playing golf tomorrow, so I hope in that locale we don't get any rain, but I'm hoping it absolutely chucks it down at Doncaster. Certainly between the... After Killian runs, they can... Fine, dry up until then, but as long as the heavens open after Killian and it doesn't stop until the goats finish ploughing away to a clear-cut success. I just think... I thought he ran a really good race at York, considering he got whacked in the waist. I remember on the day me and Daryl couldn't have him because conditions were so different and he'd got hammered for that. But I thought he actually emerged, emerged with a lot of credit in a race that had more depth and more improvers in it than this does in the Melrose. Yeah. And the ground was completely different. He did seem to be done for a bit of toe, came under pressure early in the straight and sort of just stuck at it. But if he's as effective on bad ground as he was at Goodwood, I reckon this might be a fairly straightforward open and shut job, but famous last words and all that. Yeah, indeed. Kevin, we've got differing opinions then with the horse at the top of the market. Where do you sit? Uh, real dream, Sir Michael Stout, um, oh, to bounce back from the... From yeah, to bounce back from that run in the E-bar. He was one of, um, with the winner being the other one, that stayed very wide early. 
Um, but he went more forward in the end than absurd. And I'd say, um, when you look at the sectionals and that, I'd say he probably just did a little bit too much too soon. Um, and I look, this is this isn't a soft race by any means, but it's a step down from the Ebor. And um, you know, I. I I don't often hear it said now, but Sir Michael Stout like can do quite well with these with these older hand lightly raced handicappers. Um <laughs> so I, I think he can come forward a bit more. And look, softer ground would be a small question mark, but by God, if you look if you look at pedigrees, if this horse doesn't handle soft ground, you'd be shocked uh, by Loop de Vega out of Laganor. Um and pop quiz hot shot. What's Laganor best known for? Historical significance of Laganor. Was Colin is, it, is this the George Washington one again? <laughs> no, 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 not quite, not quite. Tony Martin trained her. She, <laughs> she went. She sent her to Italy, and that uh, was Colin Keane's first Group One winner. Oh um, wow! And uh, I think the race was downgraded to to a Group Two the year after. I think it might have been the last one. The poor, poor old, poor old Italy's got no more Group Ones. But anyway, I got digress. Encyclopedic knowledge from Kevin, but we've got um, to keep the pace up. Apparently, we will, we will, we will. And um, yeah, look, I think soft ground's going to be okay. Um, stays well at the trip. Had been very impressive at Aska prior to that. And uh, yeah, I could just see him bouncing back top weight, but um, has earned it. And um, I'm hoping he'll be able to defy it. Real dream. All right, real dream. Um, three different darts at the board then. Let's roll on to Saturday and we kick off, Daryl, with the champagne stakes uh, for the two-year-old race that's traditionally thrown up a pretty decent one. And Rosalian is currently the market leader taking on, that's for the Hannon team, taking on Iberian in there. Mountain Bear is the dart that Aidan O'Brien has chosen to throw, but you just get the impression that this horse isn't really on the even on the subs bench of his two-year-old team, but this is the horse he's decided to bring over for this race. Um, I thought a week enough renewal, disappointingly, of this, really. Yeah, definitely. Week enough renewal. Um, that's why Rosalian, I think, will probably be tough to beat, even on this ground. I'm not entirely convinced this is the ground he's going to want going forward. Sort of look at his hard brother, Needle Lace and Rising Bay, and then you go through the family of Ashman Princess, etc. And you kind of look, you're looking at soft ground and thinking, oh, let's hope it's not too soft. But I just think the class act's going to win this. I think it's there for the taking. Uh, and Rosalian uh, uh, be tough to beat, I think. All right, simple. Like it from Daryl. Uh, Dan, do you feel the same, that he's going to be hard to beat in here? Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. I thought he looked really good at Ascot. It was a race, funny race, wasn't it? Um, where four, it was sort of three or four waves came and looked like they might just go and win decisively. And his late burst was a, a really telling one. He, yeah, he's got to take a lot of beating, hasn't he, if he handles conditions, but he's priced accordingly. So you don't have anything else to add into the mix. That's it from you. Nine, nine, nine. Uh, Kevin Blake, anything away from the favorite worth a mention here? Uh, I, I like Iberian. Um, I've mentioned Iberian a couple of times in the pod once before. He was a, a non runner at Newmarket and then again at Goodwood. And I thought he ran really well at Goodwood. Um, now ground will be a slight question mark. Um, they pulled him out of Newmarket on account of it going a little bit soft, but then they did run him on good to soft ground at Goodwood. And he acquitted himself quite well. They commented that they thought the soft ground blunted him a small bit, but like he still ran to a very high level. Um, having not been the sharpest way, it was a big step up in class. And um, I think he will come on again. I know I'm I'm I'm, I'm quite familiar with the horses now, and I know that they that they do really like him. Um, and I think there's more to come from him. Um, any drawing in the ground would be a benefit, and that that might be naive hoping for it. But um, I think at his price now, it just might be. 
might be worth taking the chance because again, like there's plenty of encouragement pedigree wise. Loop de Vega again, um, out of a out of a high chaparral mare that it mightn't be his best ground, but he should be able to be effective on it. All right. Iberian then for Kevin. Let's move on to the Portland and we'll mix it up. We will start with Dan here. I just feel like this is a sprint handicap. Dan is going to have really got stuck into a big wide open market, as you would expect for the maximum field of 22 in the Portland handicap. Uh, Call me Ginger from last year. Winner winner of this race last year is seven to one at the moment. Co-favourites with the likes of Kings Lynn. Obviously, Call Me Ginger off the back of the win on Saturday, wasn't it? At Ascot. Kings Lynn, seven to one in there. Aberama Gold at tens. Further down, you've got the likes of Chipstead, who chased home. Call me Ginger. He's around the eleven to one shot. Happy Romance in there, being so consistent. The mayor for the Hannon Yard, eleven to one. Lovely, tasty Portland handicap. Mm. And is it going to be some of the horses who performed in this race before to the four again, Dan? Well, there's the big class angle with Anaf, I thought, at the top. But I think when we sit here, if we're all still here and all's well in 12 months' time, we'll be discussing Can Call Me Ginger win a Portland for the third successive <laughs> season. Oh. This is how Mahira stuff. He did it, didn't he? Niall Quinn had a share in him. He was a Kevin Ryan sprint. And Niall Quinn, obviously, a... A legendary Irish footballer, legendary Manchester City footballer as well, and Sunderland. And that was like an early days of racing thing for me, remembering that horse being, I'm sure he won this race at least once. Um, did he, did he run in kind of p- pinky colours? Pinky colours, with a dash of green in there, I think. Yeah, with maybe green cross belts. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, that's the one. And he was, yeah, he was an early big horse for Kevin Ryan. Now, I was drafted in to do a bit of flat report for Tidefall the other week and I got I did a Chester race that Call Me Ginger won. I won't lie, and so I started my prep. I didn't even realise he'd been out since and won at Ascot, so forgive me on that score. But he just did remarkably well at Chester. I mean, you just don't see horses winning from that position there very often. Clearly looked like back in his best form for ages. He confirmed that in no uncertain terms at Ascot. He's still only a couple of pounds higher with these back-to-back wins than when he won the race in such good style last year. He's just a sprinter in red-hot form. And I think with the extra places, he's one of those that... I think it's Balaclava. I think we're in Balaclava territory. Balaclava territory? Bloody hell. Right. How can five beat him? It's all it's all happening. Daryl, what about you? There's a confident nod from Dan in regards to Call Me Ginger in a race like this. Uh, well, that's what we love to hear and see on this podcast. Are you in agreement? Yes. Oh. I am in agreement, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this horse just absolutely thrives at this time of year as well. Like seven of his 10 wins have come in September alone. And and like nine of his 10 have come at the back end of August or in September. He just comes through. Claxon, Daryl. Claxon. Just less than going forward. <laughs> you know what's coming. No, no, no. I ain't got the form you could have done a form readout. I should have. I will. Ne- I'll. I'll uh, take notes and learn for next week. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and and I thought he won with any amount in hand at Ascot last time. I, I really, I really did. I thought he weaved his way through. I thought he looked in excellent heart. He's around the same sort of rating as he won last year. Um, he obviously goes well at this track. Like, there's not much to, not to like about him. I probably will have a little saver as well on Chipstead last year's actual winner. Um, obviously he was demoted into into second wasn't yeah. he I just thought there was a couple of positive signs at Ascot last time for him he was in an impossible position chasing home the, the smart improving uh, rogue lightning he obviously likes it here 
again, another one that sort of tends to come good at this time of year. Uh, so I think he could have a, a big sale of what is effectively a mark of 100 under Freddie Larson's £3 claim. So uh, last year's 1-2 for me. Last year's 1-2. What about you, Kev? Are you going to make it three nods for the ginger? No, no, no. Um, I'm going to go back into the, the more distant past of the, the winner of this race two years ago, um, Hurricane Ivor. Um, he was trained by Willem Haggis at the time and has since switched to Jessica Harrington. But he, he won He won this off 102 and he won a group three in his next start and got up as high as 110. And he switched to Jesse this year and he made a great start. Um, he won a handicap off... 96 and he went very close in a, in a very good handicap at the car off 101 but his last couple of starts haven't been as good and he's benefited from um like really like uncharacteristically generous treatment from the handicapper in that like he's come down 11 pounds for four runs like which is extremely quick in ireland um and look he was in the bow lad at the Curra on Sunday, and he was one of those that was withdrawn in the morning on account of the ground being too quick, and then the rain arrived, and, and he, so he was a little bit unlucky there. But they rerouted here, and I think it might be a great shout because look, he, he's shown a liking for the course and distance. Um, every drop of rain that that has fallen will be to his benefit. Now, look, you have to be a little bit forgiving with recent runs, but um, I think getting back to beautiful Doncaster will hopefully um, will hopefully fire him back up again. Um, because he, he's a big old price now. He's 16. a big old price, and and he was last last time now, but he didn't shape that badly. He was ridden good and forward there, and I just wouldn't be surprised if they go back to to more um patient tactics in the in this sort of a race. You know, you don't get this sort of a race in Ireland all that much. And I think getting back to it will, will be a help to him. And yeah, Hurricane Ivor at a big old price will do for me. I just checked. It's near, it's two decades ago. Hal Mahera won it in 02, 03 and 04. Uh, and he was ridden by Neil Callan, still going. Daryl Holland now training. And Lanfranco de Torre. I think he might still be knocking around somewhere. Oh, la, la. <laughs> Very good. We like that, Dan. Thank you for that. On we go to the park stakes, the group two over the seven furlongs. And Spycatcher is your six to four favourite here for that man again, Carl Burke. This horse just denied a group one when we last saw him over in France in the pre-Morris de Geest. And before that had been on a real upward curve and has done it in, on soft ground as well. Plenty to like about him, hence why he's a relatively short price at the top of the market. He's taking on Audience, who's three to one, Sandrine, who's four to one, Biggles, who's eleven to two, and Jumby, who's a bigger price at eleven to one as well. All those horses have sort of crossover. Well, Sandrine, Audience, and Jumby have crossover form with the king of the seven furlong group races in Kin Ross, Daryl. Obviously, no Kin Ross in here. Whose is it for the taking, this sort of niche seven furlong group race? Uh, Sandrine, I'm hoping. Ah. I, I think this spy catch is far too bloody short at six to four. I think that's ridiculous. I think it's a joke. Like, like the, I know, I know he was short headed in a, in a, in a Maurice de Geese last time, a group one, but it was literally a group one and only name. It was the, the weakest renewal of that race for at least a decade. You know, and, and you look behind him, St. Lawrence and Cold Case there. I know Sandrine was behind him that day. Yeah. But I do think that she's now disappointed twice when going over to France. She ran an excellent race last year um, behind Kim Ross in, in the um, in the city of York Stakes and then went over to France for the foray and just completely blew out. I'm just wondering if she doesn't enjoy travelling over to France because that was well below 
a par. They stuck a visor on last time in the uh, in the city of York, and she just looked right back to something near her best for me. And she's she's ground versatile. I think she's got a lot in her favour. If she brings the best of her form, and I'm not counting that French one as anywhere near the best of her form, then I think she's the one to to, to beat because I'm not sure audience wants ground like this. Um, I think he wants a, a quicker surface. And we must remember as well, like, there's only a couple of starts ago, Spycatcher was behind Biggles in the uh, in the um, Bunbury Cup. So in the Bunbury Cup or Ascot, whichever one it was. So the I, I think, yeah. yeah, I kind of think that San Sandrine has probably been priced on that run in France last time, whereas I don't think that was her true running. So I'm going to give her a crap. Okay. Sandrine is currently four to one third best in the market and as Daryl says at least we know with Sandrine she is ground versatile we know that she'll handle a cut in the ground Dan and some of these others might not including the likes of Jumby what's happened to him this year he's just was it I mean I say what's happened to him I suppose it's just the I feel like he's not quite delivered what we might have hoped of him yeah he's a bit in between isn't he rocking a hard place not quite a top group a group one performer, but he can win a group two when the chances present itself. When you're thinking of tipping a horse, the last thing you want is one of your colleagues to say he thinks it's an atrocious price. So now I'm in an awkward <laughs> position. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But I do think that Spycatcher is so effective on bad ground. He, he makes it look like good to firm the way he travels that no surprise he was withdrawn from Haydot last week due to conditions. But there'll be no excuses on that score here. I actually think this horse can make up into a proper Group 1 sprinter next season. I think he's got loads of gears. The way he went away at Newcastle that day before he got ground down. Again, he, I know St. Saint Lawrence didn't get a clear run through, etc. Et but he, again, he went through the French race really smoothly. Um, but it's seven at Donny, and there's a chance that two of them take each other out effectively with Audience and Pogo maybe locking horns in front. So that could get the list of potential winners down to three or four. And I just thought his effectiveness on bad ground might be something that swings it. But quite happy to be proven like a fool. It's happened before. <laughs> and it'll happen again. Uh, Kevin, difference of opinion then in regards to this spy catcher, both at very polar opposite ends of the whether we like him scale here from Daryl and Dan. Where do you sit on that scale? Oh, I think spy catcher is a massive price. Massive value. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, no. I, I do fancy him. Um, you, you'd love him to be a little, to, to be a little bit of a bigger price, but um, look, it, ground is the key. And I went, I did go poking around when you know, you know the way you, you frame a race when you, you start at the fab and kind of make an assessment of the price and work your way back if you don't like the price, etc. But I just I was finding too many holes in the other ones, and I ended up coming back to him, and I just thought he was really solid. Look, look, Daryl is right. Like the Mars the Geese wasn't a strong group one, um, but it was still at a level that um, I think he can take care of these on this ground. Getting back to seven is going to suit well, I think. And yeah, spy catcher, I'd be, I'd be a little bit disappointed if he was beaten for all that the price isn't um, isn't one that set you alight. All right, on to the big one then we go. St. Ledger time, last classic of the season here in the UK and over the one mile, six and a half furlongs, the group one. And the market looks like this. Frankie Tory has chosen to ride a rest for the Gosden Yards, so he is currently three to one favourite. Continuous, one of four in it for Aidan O'Brien, 100 to 30, next best in the market, ride of Ryan Moore. 
The fact that Frankie isn't on Gregory means that Kieran Schumacher picks up the ride on the progressive Gregory, who's currently four to one, having obviously finished behind Continuous when we last saw him. Desert Heroes, next best, up five to one. Middle Earth, the Melrose winner in there at eight. Chess Piece in there at 10 to one. Nod to Tony Calvin, who's backed about half of this field, but has been banging the Chess Piece drum for a while. Then you've got the Aidan O'Brien Outsiders, Tower of London 12s, Alexanderopolis 25s, and Denmark at a huge price of 50 to one. That is your full St. Ledger field terrific race to unpick because it's ultra competitive i don't know if there's a superstar in here dan all i know is that it's a fascinating re renewal for me personally I'm, I'm intrigued by this race yeah it's absolutely mustard isn't it i don't think well i said don't think i think if we've got a top-notch stayer in the making there it's gregory yeah um, uh, so that's where i want to sit with this as well but and the fact that frankie's got off him is a worry right yeah it is a it is a concern um because all the noises afterwards were really positive. Uh, interview with Gosden that he didn't want to take him straight from Royal Ascot to a ledger. He needed to give it him a run beforehand. He ran him over a trip that was probably on the sharp side. I liked how he came back for more late on when he obviously it seemed like he'd done too much in front. So I think I'm sticking with him. I mean, yeah, it, it is. It's It's... It's sort of an alarm bell, to say the least, isn't it? That as good a judge as Frankie and as good a judge as Gosden and Thady, between them have presumably come to the conclusion that arrest is a superior one. I reckon you might have got a fair prize on that being the case. It all looked like Gregory was all systems go to me, but it's helping the price, if nothing else. And maybe Middle Earth, the, the other Gosden horse, can make up into this calibre of stay. He was really impressive in the Melrose once he... He was asked to go and settle the race. I, I was dead taken with him. Uh, but it's ha a really hard race. I had this pre-race view and sort of a five-day view that Gregory was the potential star stayer amongst them. Uh, and though Frankie's deserted him, I won't. But it's more a race I'm I'm, I'm interested to watch above all. I mean, it's a, it's a proper puzzle. Kev, are we absolutely 100% sure that Frankie had the absolute 100% decision to make? Or do you think, given the ride he gave Gregory when we last saw him, the sort of sort of should have, would have, could have at York versus his relationship with the rest, do you think other things were at play? Or do you think it was literally, Frankie, you have the option, you choose? Um, there's usually more things under uh, at play. I don't know, but... Look, I'd say it could have been a foreign-based decision now, and look, I I think he's got it right. Um, like I, I'd prefer a rest on this ground. Like ground key is key, absolutely key. Like this horse stays really well, and he wants soft ground, and like the little the little blips in his record, you know, have come on you know either the ground or the track was a big problem for him. And look, he got he got right back to it last time on his preferred conditions. I know he can pick and puke at the form, and that's fair enough, but. Um, like I think he's just to me like looked a ledger horse for quite some time, and um the rain has come for him, and look I I thought he'd take whacking now I really like Desert Hero, but I just don't know if this race on this ground is going to be what shows him the best effect. Maybe it will, but um arrest is the one I'm going for. All right, so we've got an arrest for Kevin, the other horse Gregory for Dan. 
Daryl, final say for you here. No mention of any of the Aidan O'Brien horses yet and the tactics that may come into play as well. Um, Middle Earth impressed so many people in the Melrose. There's a few horses in here we probably haven't given due credit to, but are you with or against what the boys have said so far? I'm against them both. With, yes, uh, love with it. Continuous, yeah. I think this should be Fav and a clear Fav, in my opinion. Like, I'm really quite strong on this horse this week. Um, I've had a really terrible tipping and betting week, so I'm out. Of, I'm in terrible form, but I really, really fancy this. I did this on Saturday. Like, like a re- I was at Newbury when um, <clears throat> Arrest won, and I thought I thought he was like blowing up a little bit at the finish, and he he had made all. Um, but he's like a relentless galloper, and, and maybe that that will be well suited to this race. But I I kind of feel that the, the twice he's been able to win have been the twice he's been given soft options, and and when they, whenever Alcy whenever Alcy's been put into a like a decent race, he's struggled. I thought I, I I don't know sort of like I know Dan fancies Gregory, but like they were chuffed to bits with that run at York last time behind Continuous, and I thought Continuous absolutely smashed him out of the way. I know the sort of the race sort of fell into the lap of Continuous, but his final his his four last furlongs were quicker than anything else in the race, and two of them were faster than Mostadaf, who won the Judmont on the same card. Like it was ridiculously impressive. It suggests that going up in trip is definitely going to be in his favour. He's the choice of Ryan Moore. I think he's the form horse in the race. I'm not worried about Middle Earth. I felt like that Melrose did have a pace collapse um, for, for Melrose to, for Middle Earth to pick the, pick up the pieces. So yeah, continuous for me. I, I, like I really really like him. I can't see a negative. He's handled the ground. He's going to improve gun up and distance. Like what, what's not to like really? All right. Well, we've teed it up beforehand as a fascinating renewal of the St. Ledger at Doncaster. And the boys have made very decent and fascinating cases for arrest, Gregory and continuous. Pick what you like, everyone, viewers and listeners out there. It's going to be a belter. I'm really looking forward to it. Before we wrap up the show, just two races at Chester to quickly rattle through. Daryl, I'm going to come to you first. The first at Chester is the listed race over the one mile, four and a half furlongs. Blue stocking in here as your four to five favourite, looking to get back to winning ways, having bumped into plenty of good horses this season, including, of, of course, Warm Heart, the now two-time Group 1 winner in the last month or so. So that form should stand up. Is she a cut above the rest here? Yeah, I think so. I'd, I'd even consider backing her at that price, given uh, the the weight she gets for, from her elders. And uh, I think she she's the best horse in the race. I think it's pretty straightforward for her. Okay, perfect. And then what about on to the Camden Hells handicap? One mile, two and a half furlongs next race at Chester. Um, Sweet Reward is your three to one favourite here. Just ahead of box to box for Hugo Palmer's yard at nine to two. First impression in there at nine to two as well. Those are the top three in the market. Did you have a strong enough view in this? Not a massive view, but I think it might be worth just for giving uh, Barishnikov his last couple of rounds. He's just looked like a tired horse. Uh, he's been off 51 days back. Should have freshened him up a little bit. They've re- very rarely ever given him a, a break during the season. So, uh, But this is his bread and butter, isn't it? So, uh, soft ground over 10 furlongs at Chester. It's everything he really wants. So, you know, he's going to run his race surely off the mark of 87. And he's been keeping warmer company than this. All right, Barish. Uh, Vanessa, I just want, just want to give a very quick mention in that race to Arher's Realm who ran really well last time at a meeting called the Racing League. You mightn't have heard of it, but if you, if you don't know what happened to that last night, just to give you a little reminder. <laughs> <laughs> I got it in, I got it in, Barry. 
You didn't think I got it in, Barry. I got it in. <laughs> I knew we wouldn't be able to resist. We were running out of time. We thought we'd get to the end of the show without uh, it. Took your bingo card. Sorry, D, you're in the spare room tonight. I'm sleeping with a trophy. Did D ever say Hello. This poor lady puts up with a lot. She puts up an awful lot. She was telling me about it last night. You give a hell, it's dreadful. Very tolerant lady. For Daryl. Kevin isn't getting a serious mention here because he doesn't want to be because he's tired after that racing league success. Dan, last word to you. 240 at Chester. Who did you like in here? I've got some form figures. Go on, yes. Oh yes. Oh, to, ba- to, back up, uh, to back up, to back up Daryl's opinion as well. And this was during this sequence and never started bigger than five to one. But this is Barishnikov at Chester. Ready? One, one, four, one, six, six. But the six <laughs> six. I mean, that's neither here nor there when you compare it to the one one four one. Um, he's best in the mud. Perfect conditions for him on Saturday. A pace to chase, good drawing too, nice freshening break, as Daryl mentioned. I think we I think after this race we'll be discussing what? One one four one six six one. You're getting better, Dan. You're you're de- you're Thank improving. You. I don't I don't think you're there yet, but but you're going you're moving in the right direction, and that's all any of us ever want to do in life is move in the right <laughs> You've got to work on your craft, haven't you? That's the thing. That's all I'm trying to do, definitely. Just trying small steps in the right direction, which is of course what Team Ireland did during the racing league. Oh, come on, Vanessa. Come on. Yes. Right. Okay, guys, that wraps up. Uh, it is time for your naps. Before we do naps, don't forget the sports book offer this weekend. Bet five on horse racing multiple and get a free bet that's every day at Doncaster and the Super Boost for Friday Ryan Moore to ride a winner at Doncaster on Friday was one to five and it's now even money that's for a max bet of £10 T's and C's apply and you must opt in hopefully lads that's given you enough time to just clarify your naps Kevin, I'll come to you first, please, Kev. There's a man hanging out behind, behind my car. It looks a bit suspicious. Um, yes, I'm going to go on Friday. Um, thanks, Scotsman. <laughs> uh, Dancing Gemini, the Camelot coach, um, in what will hopefully turn into a right little slug at the trip. Um, dan- uh, Dancing Gemini for me. Beautiful. Okay, Daryl, your nap, please. Uh, 3.35 Saturday, continuous in the St. Ledger. Oh, I love it. I love it when the nap is in the big race of the of the weekend. I love that. It just feels right. Real commitment to continuous. What about you, Dan Barber? What's your nap? Well, it's a description that's being leveled at Kay Blake after when it comes to the quality of racing league managers. I'm going for the GOAT, 335 ah. Doncaster. <laughs> Beautifully done. Beautifully done. Right, lads. This has been fun as always. Good luck to listeners and viewers out there having a bit of fun wagering this weekend. Enjoy it. As I say, do it responsibly and join us again on Monday when we will be back with Wade in, the usual gang. And as always, the running order is hotting up already, but we will save that for Monday. Racing League will probably get a few more runs out then. But for now, have a good weekend, everyone. <laughs>